Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink and produced by Lisa Pruden. The Well Endowed podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can subscribe right now at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Just about time to get a shave. Ah, yes. The great spring de-beardening. So I, I do a seasonal beard. Uh, some people do it for fashion reasons. Some people do it for... Charity. Charity, yeah. Uh, me, I do it seasonally. I, I grow a beard in the winter to keep my face warm. And I shave it off in the spring to keep, keep my, my face, face cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is, I, I kind of like go through phases of beard throughout the year. <laughs> and uh, it's just about time to uh, to get it lopped off. Yeah. Which works out well because our son uh, desperately needs a haircut. Yeah, it's about that time. It's it's like covering his eyes. It's almost cartoonish now how long his hair gets when it's when it's wet and like combed down. It kind of sits on his nose, touches his eyelashes. He's constantly brushing his hair out of his face. I'm like, you need a haircut. You yeah. and daddy need to go to the barbershop. So while I don't personally need a haircut, I do want to get a shave. So I'm thinking we're going to head to the barbershop. Get him a little haircut. I'll get a nice hot shave. Yeah, it'll be a nice, a nice boys out, yeah. right? I'll be all clean shaven for the spring. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very beardy at the moment. You are very beardy at the moment. Quite. Yeah. You just kind of let it go over the winter. And plus, uh, my home beard trimmer, my little electric beard trimmer, crapped out on me. Yep. And I have not replaced it. So <laughs> I've I've been particularly beardy. I've actually been trimming my mustache with scissors. <laughs> have you really? Yes. Oh, goodness. Just to keep it out of my mouth, basically. So. They, they sell beard trimmers. You can you just go get another one. Yeah, but we haven't is the point. Oh, it, fair enough. It hasn't been a priority, and we have not made the time to do it. So Okay, that's fair. And I'm now at the point where I'm going to get a shave anyway, so. Well, all right. Yeah. In that case, it can wait. This is literally nothing to do with the book. It was <laughs> no, just... A little slice of life from us. little preamble there. To you. Indeed. I suppose we should get into the book. We're into the final chapter. Oh, yes. We're right at the very end. We have finished the book and as of the end of this recording we'll have finished the book <laughs> that's right yeah but so. uh before we finish the book brief recap of the penultimate chapter yes which led us to where we are right now where jebby takes a tour of the devastation left by their <laughs> battle art it's a very dark macabre kind of tour has a not quite heart to heart with bong sunga uh, they tried. Points for trying. And make some plans with their found family of Vey and Arazi to uh, peace out to the moon. To the moon! And that leads us into the final chapter, chapter 22 of Phoenix Extravagant by Yoon Ha Lee. <laughs> and so we've come to the end. <laughs> Here we are. We're gonna we're gonna close it out. Yeah, we uh, we begin with a funeral. This being a, a magical fantasy realm, 
where spirits are a real thing, uh, there's there's a very real reason to be afraid that ghosts are going to haunt you. Yes. And so proper arrangements are made to ease the passage into the afterlife by uh, all of those who were slain during the recent combat. Yes. Uh, which was quite a number, if I remember correctly. Jebby doesn't really pay attention, which is pretty standard Jebby. Because Jebby's... Okay. Again, this is the first line of my notes for I don't know how many chapters. Artists gonna art. Yeah. Jebby... <laughs> I don't even have the correct words for it. Jebby is so deep down such an artist. Jebby is the epitome of an artist in this world. Jebby can't turn it off. No. They can't. Everything is composition and color and mood and feeling and art. Everything. Yep. Even this very sad funeral. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jebby's not able to really focus on Bong Sunga's eulogy and instead is is really kind of focused on the aesthetics of the moment. Yeah. Like they're well, they know they're leaving, right? They've already made that decision. And they spend this whole time, probably because Bong Sunga is front and center right now, they spend all this time studying Bong Sunga, studying their sister to be able to immortalize it later. Yeah. Right? But that I mean, we're kind of focusing on that on this from a negative standpoint. But the truth is this is how Jebby emotionally connects with a moment. Yes. It's not through the words, because the words aren't as important as the visual of the moment to Jebby. And what Jebby will remember is Bongsunga standing there giving a heartfelt eulogy about fallen comrades and enemies alike to her subordinates. Yeah. That's the thing that will stick with Jebby, and that's the thing that resonates with Jebby. Well, uh, think back when Jebby was remembering Gia and drew that picture of Gia and Bongsunga together. Mm -hmm. And it was this image of them being happy as a family in the kitchen. It was it was a moment, right? It was this captured moment that stayed with Jebby. This is it's the same thing now with Bongsunga. It's just a different moment. Yeah, it's Jebby functions in many ways like a Polaroid camera. <laughs> yes, that's very accurate. They capture the snapshot of the moment and in doing so capture all of the emotion and the uh, gravitas of that moment as well. The context of the moment isn't lost, partly because Jebby is able to frame it in such a good way. And so, if anything, that makes Jebby a very good artist. I've been arguing that for a long time. But it does make Jebby have a very interesting and kind of skewed perspective throughout the entire story as well. A little bit. Because everything that they see is very filtered through that visual context. Mm -hmm. Every Yes. Which is why conversations pass Jebby by, because Jebby's not focused on the words that are being spoken. They're focused on what's going on in front of their face. Yeah, right? It's very... Uh... Aesthetic. Yeah, it's frustrated us throughout the book. And I'm ashamed to admit it took me until the last chapter to realize that, for that to click for me. It's not that Jebby's purposefully not paying attention to what's going on around. It's that Jebby's focus is hyper fixated on one thing. Yes. So after the funeral, Jebby does have an opportunity to sit down and have some tea with Bong Sunga in a way to kind of say a, a final goodbye. Vey has gone off to do basically the same thing with her family. Yes. And Jebby's having an opportunity to sort of have a little bit of closure with Bongsunga. And it, as traditionally goes with these two, happens in a sort of roundabout and not straightforward way. Yes. 
I've just come to accept that we know that Jebby's not great with words. And Bongsunga's not great with emotions, And Bongsunga's not great with emotions. That's what I was going to say. So this is probably the best these two can do. And even though it isn't very satisfactory to me, personally, (laughs) that's fine. (laughs) The important things that kind of land here are Bongsunga, for the first time probably in the entire book, admits Jebby's not cut out for this revolution thing. I can't believe it took Bongsunga this long. Is clearly not a fighter and can do good elsewhere. Yes. Number two, while Bongsunga doesn't necessarily agree with Jebby's taste in women, (laughs) not Jebby's taste in women, period, just Jebby's taste in this particular woman. This particular one. Bongsunga is willing to put Jebby's happiness first and is like, I might not like that you're with Vey, that particular woman, but if Vey makes you happy, I'm happy that you're happy. Yes. It's I imagine a little bit complex. Yeah. For Bong Sunga. Well, also for Jebby, but we're not talking about Jebby so much. We're talking about Bong Sunga. Well, and Jebby doesn't push that any further and just kind of like accepts Ooh. that and yes. backs out of the tent. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, okay, you've said your piece. Thank you. I accept it. We're not going to talk about this ever again anymore. Yeah, well, yeah, because Jebby doesn't want to upset Bong Sunga. No. And so it's just like, I will, I, I accept that that is where this is. I'm not going to push the matter. Yep. We're done. We're this good. Is, this is the best we're going to get. Yes. We're all going to accept it and we're all just going to carry on with it. Yeah. Which is, I think, good because Bong Sunga could have fought about it. She's choosing not to. Yes. And I think that's big of her. I think also there's a certain extent of... Bongsunga needs to move past it. Yeah. Because there's bigger fish to fry. Yeah. And in the long run, Jebby being with Vey is such small potatoes compared to everything else that's going on. And Bongsunga just like has to be okay with it because otherwise it's going to affect everything else. Yeah. If that makes well, sense. Well, and it's almost like it wouldn't be fair to do otherwise because... She's found someone else to be with. Yeah. Right? Bongsunga has found someone else to be in a relationship with. It's clear that she's in a relationship with Red. Oh, yeah. Even though we don't see a lot of it. So it seems unfair for her to have moved past Gia's death and carried on and not to let Jebby do the same thing. Yeah, and to hold a grudge. Yeah. At this juncture. And to, to hold that grudge so strongly that no one else can find someone else either. I know it's not quite that simple yeah but yeah well i mean it's again and we've touched on this a bit before it's not like they killed gia in cold blood out of the blue or they even, were both or soldiers. even hot blood in yeah. some kind of passionate angry they, fest. i don't know they were both soldiers in a war yes and unfortunately they happened to cross paths and unfortunately they happens to be the better soldier yes it still sucks yeah, this was Because some... Vey did still kill Gia, but the context matters to a certain extent. It Yes, it absolutely does. All of the context matters. Well, here. and this is a novel, and we've discussed this before, and this risks tiptoeing into next episode, that has dealt a lot in moral ambiguity and shades of gray. Mm-hmm. There's no... It's not so clearly black and white who's in the right and who's in the wrong in this novel. And while, yes... The Razani colonialism is definitely bad, as we, we're going to find out later in this chapter. 
the bad guy wasn't necessarily wrong. <sighs> okay, this is getting into next chapter territory. So I will say this and we will let it sit and then we will carry on. Just because we're on their side, they are clearly written as the good guys, the protagonists. You're right. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are right or that there isn't a bigger bad out yeah. there. Or that there aren't other factors. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Now, one thing we actually kind of skipped over in our rush to get to uh, Jebby's closure with Bong Sunga is there's a little bit of closure with Hefandon as well. Yeah. Because right after the eulogy, Arazi and Vey and Jebby all make their way to where they are under the impression Hefandon is buried. Uh, I think Arazi was the one keeping track. And they kind of have a little commiseration. Yeah. I am missing a cultural touchstone here. I don't understand why they had to visit Hefandon's grave or what it was she did to make things right. Probably it... left an offering or said a prayer. The point is, I th I can see why Vey would feel the need to get a little bit of closure with Hefandon's ghost because Vey directly betrayed Hefandon. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like that was oh, I know. outright betrayal. Jebby feels bad about his being killed, even though he was attempting to kill them and <laughs> did have them tortured it was and was keeping of, them under duress. It was sort of a roundabout self-defense. But at the same time, Jebby still feels bad that a person that they knew and interacted with regularly was killed and was killed kind of on their watch. Yeah. And Arazi clearly feels bad that it killed Hafandan at all. Um, there's a very brief and, for me, uh, a very touching and kind of powerful moment when Jebby visits Hack's grave. Yes. Uh, where they are met by uh, Gumiho, I hope I say that correctly. A fox spirit. Yeah, yep. which is assumed to be some of Hack's family. Or friends. Or, Unclear. Or, yeah, next of kin, kin of kin, some kind. Kin to Hack, yes. Sure. And there, there's this really uh, sweet moment of, of reverence for Hack's life, where Jebby like, kind of apologizes for Hack's death, and receives some manner of forgiveness for being a good friend, for trying to not let Hack die. Mm. And I, I don't know, it spoke to me. It was very, it was a really sweet moment. It was brief, but I found it moving. I still am not entirely certain that Hack was undeserving. Still. Um, but yes, uh, for Jebby, certainly, that's definitely closure on that. A horrible friend is still a friend, yeah. I guess. I mean, again, Hack was collaborating with the Razani. Hack was selling off cultural treasures, which were being destroyed. Mm -hmm. Hack was almost certainly aware of Armour's interest in getting their hands on Jebby and definitely helped facilitate that to a certain degree. So Hack might not have been a great friend and was definitely a self-serving person. Yeah. Hack also took Jebby in yes. that night off the street, did their best to find Jebby some manner of employment. Yes. Even if it wasn't in the best place. But this all ties back to moral ambiguity. Yes. Hack was doing some terrible things, but was also doing some good things. Yeah. And that's kind of the case with practically everybody in the novel. I know. So. Anyway, I just wanted to touch on that really quick because it was a, a standout moment to me. So having gotten closure with... Bongsunga and Hafandin and Hack, Jebby is finally ready to pack up and go. <laughs> well, as ready as Jebby gets, because I don't think Jebby likes flying all that much still. Yeah, and I mean, they're going to fly to the moon. So. Yeah, it's going to be a trip. 
Now, in addition to packing up a bunch of cultural treasures and keeping them safe, Bongsunga's like, hey, seeing as you're going to be way up there, why don't you take this spyglass along and uh, maybe keep an eye on things? I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, just uh, let us know if, if you see anything interesting while you're up there. Jebby's like, yeah, I can do that. Because the plan is that Arazi, who's able to move back and forth back yeah. and forth with relative ease, will make regular supply runs. Sure. And can also bring information back and forth so that Vey and Jebby are up to date on what's going on with the Resistance. And they can feed information back if they happen to see anything or talk to some Celestials who are like, here's, here's some interesting news. Never know. <laughs> Just came back from the other side of the world. Guess what I saw? Yeah. They... Get on board Arazi with all of the packages and stuff that are going to be taken. All of their arts. And uh, Jebby, because again, Jebby's interested in in the visual aspect of this goodbye, thinks to pull out their sketchbook. Yes. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a sketch as we fly off to the moon. Very cool. Arazi steps off the earth and starts soaring higher and higher and higher up and... Jebby is looking back and is amazed at the the vistas and the sights that they're seeing from above. Because, again, it's a perspective that, to their knowledge, certainly no Huagugan artist has ever really had the opportunity to, yeah. to take in. And partway on the journey, Vey is like, Jebby, you got to look over here now. you got to <laughs> look over here. Turn around. Turn around. Look out the windows. And basically, they're greeted with heaven. <laughs> yeah. They encounter celestials just on the clouds with their creatures. Yeah, and like hanging out in nebulae yeah. and like, stars are like waving at waving, them as they go by. Waving politely. I think someone raises a cup to them yeah. as they as they soar past. I was like, that's cool. I mean, Celestials probably don't see mortals and a dragon just whisk by every day. They're probably like, oh, that's cool. Hey, cool. <laughs> Cheers to you, mortal. Way to make it up into the sky. Yeah. Good job. Where <laughs> are you going? To the moon. Yeah. I thought that part was super neat. Yeah. I appreciated that it wasn't like, oh no, space. <laughs> like cuz that would have wrecked it for me. I didn't think it was going to be space because again, we're we're dealing with a magical fantasy world. Yeah. So, uh we do get greeted with a little bit of the hereafter. Yeah. Sorta. 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 The celestial space where the where the great spirits and the gods and whatnot live. Now do we have to talk about the downer ending? Yeah, super downer ending. And then we have this downer ending. So Jebby pulls out the spyglass and takes a look back and sees the peninsula of Huaguk and the archipelago of the Razani homeland and sees basically a fleet of iron warships making their way towards Huaguk. Yep. Which and, are clearly like Western warships. Yeah, and they and Jebby both have an oh no moment when they yep. realize, oh, Hafandon was right this whole time and the West is on its way to conquer everything. Well, book over. And the end. Yep. <laughs> Brush your hands off, walk away. I know, I made it to the last, like, paragraph, and I was like, what? Wait, what? No! I oh, it was such a downer. Yeah. <laughs> We're having this beautiful scene of them flying to the moon to save the treasures of their people and meeting celestials. And they're like, oh, by the way, below you, while you're gone... Uh, your land's about to be invaded. Well, they did leave the conflict behind, but the conflict is ongoing. I know. And that's the, the price of piecing out, right? I guess so. I was on this beautiful, like, high, having this beautiful scene laid out before me of an ending. And then they're like, oh, never mind. Also, downer. <laughs> yeah. If I remember correctly, how it was going to play out was that the West was there to fight back the Razani. Yep. And then they were going to take 
Huagug for themselves. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're gonna they're gonna get rid of the current colonizers, and then they're just going to already be there. Anyway. Nobody colonizes but us. Yeah, I mean we're already here, and there's all this stuff that we could <laughs> use back at home. So I guess this is just ours now. Because we're all friends, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like the Rosani Empire had spread out and was taking over surrounding nations as a bulwark against that threat, right? Mm -hmm. And say what you will about whether or not they were right or wrong, one would probably rightfully say they were wrong to do it. They had a purpose for that hegemon, and that's what Hefandin believed in. Like, his worst fears are coming to fruition right now. Yeah. And the rebels kind of invited the Western powers in. Uh, kind of. It's very much, as they're seeing it, like an enemy of my enemy sort of situation, but they're just setting up another enemy, right? Maybe? Probably. Yeah. So. Well, it's what the text said. Yeah. And it is kind of what it looks like. Yeah. So, uh. The end. <laughs> Obviously, there's going to be a little bit to unpack, but I think that we can leave that safely to the next episode. Yeah. The, the unpacking, I think, uh, requires... A, a step back to look at the bigger picture, which is very much a book club episode. Yeah. Once again, just to make sure we're all on the same page, next episode is, of course, our final analysis of Phoenix Extravagant. We will take a look at the book as a whole. We'll do some like full book club analysis of it and, and talk about some talk stuff. About some stuff. Uh, and we will reveal our next novel so that you yeah. have a week to uh, go and pick it up. So while we're doing that, and while you're preparing your own thoughts on the novel <laughs> for uh, next episode, I mean, feel free, if you have a comment on this novel and you want to drop us a comment on social media, by all means. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a look at that as we move into the, into the final analysis. Yeah, yeah. But uh, while you're taking care of that, spring is just around the corner. It's trying so hard. Yeah, certainly here. <laughs> it's certainly here. You might be looking at doing some spring cleaning, some spring yard work, maybe some spring renovations. That can be daunting or hard to take care of by yourself. Uh, fortunately, right here in Edmonton at the very least and in Alberta, uh, ATCO has services that can help you deal with that kind of work. And uh, they have a podcast which talks all about it. Hi there, I'm Brendan, a certified home inspector with Rumi. Do you have a problem that needs fixing? Whether it's big or small, inside or outside, let me help you find out what's really going on. You can call me by phone, or we can take a look together over video chat. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and go to Ask a Home Inspector to book your appointment with me today. Rumi by Atco. Cool. Haven't had uh, one of their ads in a little bit, but uh, this is the appropriate time. Have we ever had one of theirs at all? Yes, multiple times. Oh, Okay. Nita definitely listens to the podcast after I've I'm not going to lie. I normally do listen to our podcast. But Nita also skips through the ads. <laughs> it's that I am behind in all of my podcasts. I'm like a book and a half behind in our podcast. There are some podcasts I haven't listened to in like a year. Fair enough. If you are unlike Nita and aren't <laughs> behind on all of your existing podcasts and are looking for a new one, you can find some right now at the network website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. Yes. Lots of great content there to check out. If you find another podcast you're interested in, you can download it on your podcatcher of choice. That's probably where you're getting our podcast. Well, that just makes sense. Give us a little rating and a review. Oh, we'd like that. That would help us out. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, you could also reach out to us via social media. All right. Send your comments, thoughts, etc., etc., via 
Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads. We are at the read along for most of them. Yeah, you can also send us an email. Yes, please do. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. We're going to go full book club. Thank you for joining us on The Read-Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All read-along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read-Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>